Welcome to the Novice and the Nerd Podcast, where your hosts from Strategic Point Investment Advisors discuss everyday financial topics in hopes of making certain issues a little easier to understand. As a partner and financial advisor with Strategic Point, Derek Amy is our resident nerd. Laura is the marketing manager at Strategic Point and is a novice when it comes to many complex financial topics. Both are passionate about trying to help listeners get educated on the wide variety of financial news that seems to be never ending. All opinions expressed by Derek and Laura are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of Strategic Point Investment Advisors. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. And now here are your hosts, Derek Amy and Laura Bard. Welcome to another episode of The Novice and the Nerd with your host, Derek Amy, and I'm joined as always by the novice... Laura Bard. Hello, Derek. How are we doing, Miss Novice? Oh, we're doing good. We're doing good. The nerd is very frustrated. <laughs> Shocking. Why? Well, before this episode, it took us a little while to realize why the mic wasn't working and somebody accidentally had the mute button depressed. I will not name names. I'll name names. Listener can take a 50-50 shot. Wasn't me. Just saying. It was the nerd. You ratted me out. I did. So what are we going to talk about today? So we're going to talk today about refinancing again because we kind of already covered this topic about a year ago. Uh, more than yeah, a year ago. Yeah, it was a little bit more than that. And uh, I will admit that I was uh, somewhat shocked to think we were coming back around to this so quickly. However, there was a reason why you and I are talking about this because there was a recent survey. Well, why don't you explain what the survey said and then we'll go through it. Well, listen, I don't have the survey handy on me, but yeah, I just read it this morning. The survey said that was it over 70% of people haven't even decided to or haven't looked into refinancing even though they could possibly be eligible 74 percent of homeowners haven't refinanced despite low mortgage rates and we'll post a we'll post a link to this uh to this article for people who are interested in it uh so i'll start off by saying um I agree with the with another podcast that I tend to listen to that I tend to become an anti-survey person. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember when you were in high school, they would ask, they would give you surveys about your uh, personal life at home, specifically uh, whether you drank or smoked or any of that stuff. Do you remember that? Yeah. Do you remember if you answered it honestly or did you... Uh, were you a little surreptitious? I probably lied on a couple. Um, so as a teenager with an angst for authority, I think I put down that I did every single thing under the sun, <laughs> that I was that I was on drugs while I was filling the form out. Oh, my God. Keep, keep in mind that is not my personality whatsoever. No. But my point was is that, you know, surveys are – apt for people like me, uh, even as adults, you know, for them to basically try to mess up the person's results. Um, or, you know, in my wife's case, in her uh, exact profession within the healthcare uh, community where she does a lot of surveys, there's an art to how you ask a question. You can certainly get in. If you're very good 
at crafting questions, you can almost get the person to give you the answer you're looking for. So, and obviously that's not what, what a proper survey is supposed to be. Whether or not the survey was off by a few basis points or percentage points or whether or not some people were skewing the numbers, the reality is it seems like a lot of people have not refinanced. Yeah, I was um, I was shocked by that. I mean, granted, you you raised the flag for me, but I feel like you did that early with me when you were like, "Hey, you should probably look into this." I'm sure, like by the time, I mean, I don't know, maybe by the time quarantine happened last March, I would have been like, "Hmm, maybe this is worth looking into." But you know, you definitely alerted me to it. So, uh, before we move forward with the with the results of the survey, um, that was a situation in which. Uh, the nerd gave you some bad advice. Oh, we have that on recording. My God, yes. Let's mark the date. Why? Well, let, me, let me defend. Let me defend what what we were talking about. Okay. So, with many financial decisions, it's not without the benefit of hindsight until you realize whether or not it was a smart decision. Sure. For example, we have a lot of clients come in and they're doing some tax planning, whether they're getting ready to retire or they're in retirement and they're talking about Roth conversions and, and you know, should I sell this stock and do all those kind of things and how much can I afford to take out of my IRA, you know, general retiree mm-hmm. questions. Um, and we sit down and tell people like, well, you know, these are the rules right now, but we all know that the federal government can change the tax brackets and mm-hmm. they have. Yep. President Trump lowered them uh, not too long ago. Uh, So you could do all this tax planning five, ten years out. But for the most part, it's just a best guess because things outside of your control uh, can influence whether or not that was a smart decision. So why am I saying I gave you some bad advice? What I really meant was if we had been a little bit lazier and not rushed to refinance, we actually would have gotten a lower rate. All right. But we had no way of knowing that and locking in our mortgages at what we thought was ridiculously low rates and ask anyone over the age of 50 if a 3% mortgage is a ridiculously low rate. And you're still going to get, yes, that is a ridiculously low rate. Little did we know they were going to dip into the twos, um, you know, at the time. And granted, the nominal difference between three and two and seven eighths on your mortgage is really not impactful. But mm-hmm. yes, mea culpa. We should have been a little bit lazier, dragged our feet a little bit longer, um, <laughs> and then we, we would have been rewarded with a lower rate. But who so, knew? I, so what are the rates now? Uh, so I can only quote you on something that I was quoted on. Um, if there are 30-year mortgages available in the 2% range. Mean okay. not 2% flat but right. uh 2.875 okay. which is lower which is lower than what you and I got on a 20 year. Yep. And we can get into why that is and how that is, but I wanted to let's go back to this survey cuz there's some interesting anecdotes mm-hmm. on some of the reluctancy or why people haven't done it. Mm-hmm. Um and I know, I know for a fact I can name clients and I can name family members who have not refinanced mm-hmm. uh, and who I would actually agree with those people's sentiment to, um, to, to not take advantage of refinancing. For example, one person is not sure that they're going to live in this house for another four or five years. Okay. Their rate 
isn't dramatically higher. And, you know, when you sit down and you look at what it's going to cost to do the refinancing and how long it might take you to recoup and what if I only live here for another year, it clearly becomes evident eh, that probably doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense. Got it. Uh Another person I know is having some uh, marital problems. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not going to be able to refinance if you can't get your significant other on board uh, with, with the simplest of items, let alone. <laughs> right. <laughs> let alone Let's not go down that road. Yeah, <laughs> never knowing who's actually going to get the house, <laughs> who's going to stay in the house, those kind of things. Yeah. Um, and then I know, you know, unfortunately, I do know some people whose job has been impacted because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're just not going to be eligible to refinance, not because their credit scores have been dinged, but just because they're unable to show, you know, the type of earnings in order to support the refinancing. Right. I would, and, and the survey doesn't get into that granular level. They kind of just round that into an other bucket, but those are the really small cases. Okay. In this survey, they asked people, you know, what are the some of the reasons? The number one reason was the fear of cost of refinancing. Yeah. Now, it didn't go on to say, and I, part of me thinks I highly doubt people are sitting down and taking a pad to paper and trying to figure out when they would recover the cost. I think most people are saying, I don't want to pay the money or I don't have the money to pay for it. Yep. Would would you agree, yep. Miss Novice? Yep, absolutely. Do you remember what you paid for your refinancing? I think I paid a little over two thousand dollars. Do you know what I paid? No. I didn't pay anything. Why not? But because they just rolled it into the mortgage. Okay. It's I did not refinance with the Red Cross. <laughs> <laughs> There is absolutely a cost of refinancing. Mm -hmm. I just chose at that time to roll it into the principal that I already owed because I was just taking the path of least resistance. And you, Uh, by all accounts, you're not going anywhere. You're staying in the home that you're in for... uh, yeah, which is we'll get to it in a, in a minute on yeah. why we're my wife and I are considering refinancing. Okay, again. Again, okay. this will be now the fourth time, even though I've only been in my house for seven years. Okay. You, if I if we could take a quick detour. Okay. For for a brief moment, and get on my soapbox. <laughs> Great. Do you know? Do you know one of the biggest? I want to swear, but this is a (laughs) family-friendly podcast, so I will choose not to. Okay. Uh, Do you know what owner's title insurance is? No. So you (laughs) you own you own you've owned two houses in your life. Yep. (laughs) And you've refinanced a couple times, and you're not (laughs) one of the expenses that you paid for out of pocket is for title insurance. Okay, I know that. You knew that, but you don't know what it does. No. Can you guess at what it possibly does? It secures the title of the home. Yeah. So what's that called? The deed. Yes. All right. All right. Now we're getting down to it. Why right. they don't call it? Why don't they call it deed insurance? I have no idea. Okay. So, what do you think? Why would a lender? 
we'll call that the bank because that's who it is. Yep. Why would the bank want you to pay for title insurance, do you think? <sighs> to make sure I can prove in the future when I go to sell my house that I actually own it? It's actually, you're very, very close. Uh, if if you were a student in a classroom, I would say uh, you're almost close enough for, for to get the the right answer. But it's the person before you, so the person that you're buying. Okay. So you are paying for insurance, which uh, the deed basically says that the seller is allowed to transfer that ownership to you, mm-hmm. and the insurance that you are buying is if someone comes back years later and sues you and says, hey, I had a claim from Mr. Johnson who sold you this house nine years ago, seven years ago, whatever it was, and I'm, I'm, they didn't really have the right to sell you that deed. Okay. So a common issue would be somehow you didn't pay your property tax and that snuck through yep. town hall some contractor came and did a bunch of work. The homeowner didn't pay the guy. The guy, you know, was in the process of suing the homeowner, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But here's where I'm going to get out my soapbox and say that something is extremely frustrating. I am refinancing with the current bank that already owns my mortgage. So they already have that insurance. Not only do they already have it, I already paid for it. Mm. Why are you making me pay for it again? <laughs> and I'm not selling the house. I already own the house. You already have all this. And you can't get that off the, the costs? No, you cannot. You okay. can complain. Yeah. You can complain, but no one's ever going to let it go. Got it. And this all comes from like a rule in like the 1800s when some guy sold a piece of property and 10 years later the guy realized that someone else owed him money. Like it's an antiquated thing, but everyone keeps doing it. Well, because it's a way for them to make extra fees, right? There is one fintech firm out there that's trying to uh, – they're not trying to do with away with it, but they are trying to minimize the cost dramatically to the consumer, which would be you and I, uh, and also provide the banks with some some records. The problem is – so, so um, one of my neighbors just sold their house, and I believe they've been there since like the 70s. Oh, wow. And actually, my wife and I are trying to get some work done on our house, and we have a septic tank, and we're trying to find some of the um, uh, what, how big the septic tank is. And believe it or not, Rhode Island, Rhode Island lists all that stuff if you have a septic tank. Yeah. Unless unless your house predates like 1968, which mine does, which means they do not have it on file. So. You know, we're at this point where in the world where there's still people who bought their house before computers existed and someone in town hall had to take a pen and paper out and file all this crap, you know. So hopefully as time goes on, maybe there'll be some correction there. But I'll get off of that high horse about complaining for title insurance because it seems like it's a waste on a refinance, but I'm not going to have any leverage. (laughs) Um, 
so yeah, fear of cost where if, if, if anyone listening to this is considering refinancing or knows a loved one, uh, who's not doing it because they're worried about having to come up with a couple grand that Laura was talking about, you know, find someone who's willing to do a no closing cost loan. There's plenty of them out there. Shop around. Uh, and you can actually avoid having to show up with any money mm-hmm. uh, at the closing, and they will just roll the mon- the uh, the cost right into your next mortgage. Okay. The uh, one of the other things uh, that was quoted um, was that the second most popular thing. Take a guess. I read this article too. Um, they just weren't. Um, it's they a pain in the they ass. Weren't, yeah, they weren't. They weren't. Didn't want to deal with it. It's a pain. Now I will admit, because I'm obviously the one when we do a refinance, I'm the one that has to gather the documents because I know where they all are. I handle all of that in my household, so it's a pain, but it's not impossible. I mean, you can find everything. As I'm getting ready to, to again, so I am in the process of reapplying to refinance. I am still not sure if I'm going to actually do it. And if my mortgage broker is listening to this, I apologize if this is an earth shattering revelation and you're not going, wait a minute. I thought this was a slam dunk. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> <he's kidding>. doing... <laughs> um, I don't think he listens. Um, it, it is a major pain. It is an absolute pain. And I tell people, who I've referred, um, you know, referred them to go out and do this, that it's only become slightly more aggravating in times of COVID just because the amount of crap they ask for and getting it to them and doing everything else. Yeah, it's not a fun experience. No, it's not fun, but I mean, the the offset is like what you're saving. If you can potentially, I mean, that 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 was worth it for me. So that's what I was going to – you're stealing the words out of my mouth, <laughs> which was going to say I think it speaks volumes about whether – it speaks volumes about Americans that because of a couple hours of inconvenience of yeah. gathering gathering financial documents yep. that they're, they're – They'd rather just that, pay more on their mortgage every month and just let it be. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> that and and you're you're not an advisor, so Laura is the uh, is the novice here. Uh, but as the nerd, I can tell you, I've sat across from those people. Yeah. <laughs> and you look at them, and you just think, I I, I am flabbergasted. Yeah. Um, I also think this is a good segue into, um, you know, making sure that your spouse knows. F- where all of your important legal documents are. Yeah, it's kind of important. You know, uh, a lot of our older clients go out of their way to put a little book together. Some of them even three-hole punch it, depending on their level of uh, of nerdery. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but telling someone, here's where all of our old tax returns are. Here's where our, our mortgages, you know, here's where all the bank accounts are. Yeah. Um, I've even seen some people now um, saving their loved ones' username and passwords for Instagram and Facebook and Twitter because yeah, that is really hard to take down if you are not the owner. Facebook actually allows you to set a – I can't remember what the name of it is, but you can set someone. If you were to pass away, this one person that you link it to in your account can either remove your account or do whatever. They've gotten that process going. So I would assume Instagram has it as well. 
Yeah, that 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 must be fairly new because I know yeah. for a fact uh, that was not the case in the past. So, anyways, highly encourage people to think about you know where the your will and healthcare proxy and mm-hmm. and all that you know stuff that you hope you never need, but yeah. you, you throw in a drawer and everyone in the family knows where it is. Right. Um, but yeah, for for a quarter of the people to say I'm basically too lazy to do this. What I what I honestly think that is, if to to me, is that they have also not taken the time to see how much they could possibly save. Right. Yeah. They didn't all have a nerd making them a spreadsheet to show them how much money they're going to save in interest <laughs> over the next twenty years, like I did, to really see it in paper and be like, "Oh, I need to do this." Some people learn that way. Mm-hmm. Some people can get dragged like a horse to water. They <laughs> still won't drink. Yeah. One of the other questions in this survey, and again, we're taking at face value, approximately 40% of the people did not know what their mortgage rate was. Wow. Now, I think my wife would have some, would probably guess and then put like a question mark at the yep. end, but she, she'd be in the, she'd be she'd close She'd be in the vicinity enough. of it, yes. Yep, right. yep, yep. Those who did know their mortgage rate in the same survey said on average that their mortgage rate was over 4.5%. Dang. So if that was the case, these people are way, way, way overpaying. Yeah. In current day (laughs) mortgage rates. And let's just, we're not going to repeat the whole refinancing podcast. You can go back and listen to it. We'll put a link in the show notes if someone wants to go through more of that process. But it basically comes down to this. If you're going to refinance, would you, when you, if your mortgage rate is over 4.5% and you decide to take the steps to refinance, mm-hmm. someone's going to ask you, do you want more money in your pocket? Or do you want to pay it off quicker? Because that's essentially what it's going to come down to. Yeah. And you and I, at the time when we refinanced, chose to pay it off quicker. Correct? Correct. Um, So one of the other questions that was in this survey, which is part of what you and I are talking about today and, and what I'm about to undertake, was they were talking about people who cash out refi. Okay. So what does that mean? They take the money. What money? Mm, the equity that they have in the house uh, at the okay. time of refinancing. Do you know – so let's say you own a house yes. for hundred grand. Mm-hmm. The house is valued at hundred grand, mm-hmm. and you owe fifty grand. Mm-hmm. Do you know how much equity you can get out or so, how – go ahead. Or how much – how high could your new mortgage go? B, would they allow you to borrow? Uh, well, I don't know the answer to that second question. I was going to say I would have 50000 in equity. Yeah. but Could I take so all that out? Are you asking me or telling me? I'm asking you. The answer is no. <laughs> that was the question I was asking you. <laughs> and then in, in your – In my in answer, most, I questioned you. In your most novice way, <laughs> you re-asked the same question that I was asking you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. So how much okay. could I have taken out? 
Inequity. Most place most places only allow you to go to eighty percent loan to value. So okay. what does that mean? I can only take out eighty percent of that fifty thousand. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you 80? have no, no, no. I'm sorry. Let me let me fix it. You have to have. No, oh, I lost my train of thought. You'd have to have eighty percent in the bank. Like, forget it. No, you the way around. You're you you're so close. I know, you and I'm, I I just I lose it. Are you one of those people when you go out to dinner with like a party of like six, you got to get out the calculator to figure out how much? No, no, no. I'm not trying to be a wise ass. No. There's many people who have to my, do that. No, my mom and my aunts do that sometimes. Okay. And I look at them and horror. No, that I can do on my own. So I'll say it again slowly because the answer, they will only let you borrow up to 80% loan to value. So lo- loan to value means numerator over denominator. If the house is worth a hundred grand, how much are they willing to loan you? 80? 80, 80% of that. Correct. So if you owe 50 and you're refinancing, that 50 doesn't go away. You're essentially just rolling that into a new mortgage, into a new mortgage. Right. They would let you take 30, which would get you back up to 80% loan to value. Okay. Did you follow all of that? Kinda. Yeah. What do you mean, kind this of? This is where I would need it on paper. I would need to see it. But I, I'm getting what you're saying. The 80, I can't take out you know, the 50 grand that I think I have. Yeah, they're not going to let someone refinance up to the hill. Got it. Because then they, these banks do not want to own your house. Mm-hmm. And they certainly don't want to own your house in an environment in which most of the time they end up owning a house. Got it. What, is, what does that mean? Most of the time, people are going to pay their mortgage. Life's going to go on. Everything's going to be cool. Mm -hmm. But occasionally, recessions occur in the United States. Mm -hmm. Things go south. Last time, home values went south. And so banks see foreclosures rise during recessions, and they usually see home values go down during recessions because people aren't able to pay their mortgage and people have to sell their house. Right. The last 18 months of our life due to COVID has basically blown that philosophy out of the water, but the banks are still going to operate under the same mindset, which is we're not letting people borrow up to 80%. Okay. Now, my guy said, hey, if you only need, a, to, if you only need to go to 75%, we'll get you a better rate. Okay. Mean, what does that mean? You can get a lower rate if you only take 75% loan to value. Correct. Correct. Okay. So why am I refinancing? It's for my wife and I, all four of our parents are alive. And believe it or not, we still have grandparents alive. Just saw my 94-year-old grandmother yesterday. Um, We are not on the precipice of any inheritance. Mm -hmm. But I, I bring that up. Even if we were to tomorrow somehow inherit a ridiculously large sum of money, we would not be moving because we very much like where we live, mm-hmm. but but we do not love the layout of the house. Okay. Um, so what I'm sitting here contemplating as the nerd, we would like to put an addition on. Okay. We have a three-bedroom bed- house. But my wife and I have very limited privacy due to where the bedrooms are. So we were thinking, huh, maybe we'll put on a real master bedroom with a, with a master bath. Mm-hmm. We are by no means even remotely close to undergoing such a 
huge project. And we don't even know where we're going to put it because my house layout is super weird. Um, so why am I thinking about doing this now? Let me add, that is not a rhetorical question. Oh, you're I'm asking, asking me? Yes. Let me, let me tell you what I t told my wife. I said, we're probably two to three years away from doing this project. And in fact, right now, as you already learned with trying to build a pool or get anything, as I'm sure most of our listeners are aware, if you try to do something around your house right now, uh, people are in high demand, plumbers, yeah. construction, and they are in low supply. So you're either going to have to wait or you're going to pay through the nose. At the same time, go to your local Home Depot or your local Lowe's and quite often things that you might need or want to finish a project are unavailable or are unlimited supply or are extremely expensive. Mm -hmm. So to me... Even even if we had the plans and knew exactly what we wanted to do, I would still be saying, no, we're going to wait a couple of years just to, for some of this supply and demand blow over. Got it. So my question to you is, why would I be considering refinancing in August of 2021 slash September of 2021 as opposed to waiting two years? Well, because you have no idea what the rates are going to be in two years. Ah, uh, you are coming along, buddy. <laughs> I'm learning. Well, correct. So something I said a little while ago, it's only with the benefit of hindsight whether or not we will know if this is a smart decision or not. Mm -hmm. If you're asking just about anyone who understands finance and interest rates – the chances of mortgage rates being lower than where they are today seem pretty slim. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be an embedded cost for underwriting the mortgage and servicing the mortgage. My point to that is, is we're probably bouncing along the lower bounds of how low a mortgage can actually go. Yeah. So that lends itself to... What are the possible outcomes over the next two years if we decided not to follow through with this refinance? Where, if if rates can, if rates are not probably going to go lower, what are the other two options? Um, they could stay the same. Yeah, and go up. In which, and they could go up. Okay, so I'm just going to use random numbers. If you're thinking about taking a hundred grand out and you only needed uh, and you are waiting two years mm -hmm. to actually to actually start this project, yep. if I was refinancing, let's say at three percent because I'm going to use even numbers. So you're refinancing and you're pulling a hundred thousand of equity out. And it's going to cost you three percent, but you're not going to spend this money for two years. Yep. What's it essentially going to cost you basically to sit on that cash for two years? 3000 A year. A year. But that's not even exactly accurate because mortgage interest is a deductible, uh, is deductible on your taxes. So the reality is it ain't going to cost you that much, all things considered. But if I waited two years, 
what was your mortgage prior to your refinancing? Do you remember? I believe it was three seven five. Okay. So there's a situation in which you're paying that extra for the rest of your life by waiting. And what causes the mortgage rates to go higher? Well, they're somewhat tied to the direction of the overall bond market. And as we're sitting here today and anyone who's listening, as we already talked about in the inflation podcast, inflation is the number one enemy of investing in bonds. So if you're like me and you're sitting here saying, and this was how I thought about it, well, interest rates can only go three ways. They can go down, they can stay the same, or they can go up. I highly doubt mortgage rates are going to go much lower than where they already are. It's just a mathematical impossibility. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to eliminate that one completely off the top of my head. Yep. If two years from now, when we're ready to start this project, mortgage rates are exactly where they are today, but I borrowed the money in 2021, what am I out? I'm out a couple of grand to sit on the cash for two years. That's the worst outcome, and the more realistic outcome is two to th two years from now, it's highly probable mortgage rates have reverted back to some historical levels. Yep. And so I'd be sitting there going, I'm so glad I refinanced and not looking back at 2021 as an opportunity to do that. Yep. They actually asked people what were some of the most popular reasons to tap home equity and improvement and repairs was number one, debt consolidation was number two, paying for college or tuition was like number three, and then it was it was stupid stuff. Do you know what I mean by yeah. stupid stuff? What do I mean by stupid stuff? Uh, paying off bills or paying off other debts? Uh, I wouldn't say that's always stupid stuff. So Putting in a say, pool? Do you know – actually <laughs> – I'm going to – you're laughing, but I'm going to – we'll come back to that. Okay. Now, admittedly, not every decision in life is a financial decision, but this is a financial podcast, and that's why people are listening. So <laughs> let, me, let me step back for a second. Do you know how to figure out the Bard family net worth, and have you ever actually done such a thing? I've never done such a thing. Um, I would assume that would take in everything, the real estate we own, our retirement plans, our savings, all of that. So it's, so it's very simple, and I would actually, for any of our younger listeners or complete novices like Laura Bard here, it's actually not the worst thing to do, and it should only take you about 10 minutes. You grab a piece of paper, you draw a line right down the middle. On the left-hand side, you write down the current value of all your assets. So we're not going to do this for Laura Bard because she doesn't want to share that she's a multi-gazillionaire. Oh, wait. Did I say that, Ella? <laughs> I wish. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, you would put – so this is your assets. Home value. I don't do cars because cars are depreciating assets, so they're not really worth anything. Uh, all your retirement accounts, if you have them. Uh, all your bank accounts and anything else that you value goes on the left-hand side. Okay. So, and then on the right-hand side, you put credit card debt, student – hopefully you don't have any nope. – student loans, car debt because you technically do own that. Uh, you owe that even though you didn't put the value of the cars, your mortgage, 
And you basically just add those two columns up, and that comes up with your net worth. Okay. Let's say you were thinking about refinancing, and you were thinking about pulling $100,000 out of the equity of your house. Okay. So let's say you, you did that on Friday, and now and you had already done your net worth a month ago. Okay. okay? You get the piece of paper out today. Has your net worth gone up or down? And let's ignore what the the 401k. So let's. I'm just trying to get to the big ticket items. Has yeah. your by refinancing and taking a hundred thousand of equity out of your house? Mm-hmm. Has your has your net worth gone up, stayed the same, or gone down? It's gone down. Why? Because now I've taken that money out, and I have to pay that money back. What happened on the right side of the ledger I on added, the piece of I, paper? I added more debt. Right. But what's on the left-hand side? The value of my home. Plus? Everything else. Plus? They wrote you a check for $100,000. Oh, that's income? Like, No, it's... Wait, wait, What wait, is wait. it? They wrote me a check, so it's my money. It's an asset. It's in my... Oh. It's not income. You didn't earn that hundred grand. <laughs> I did by doing the paperwork. I earned it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's so an this, asset, but I still owe it's still a debt. Yeah, of course. This no, is where this is where uh, some other famous financial gurus who may or may not sneaky, have nationally. Yep, got it. No, no, have nationally syndicated radio shows. Oh, so you're talking about and, like a Bernie Madoff moving no, stuff around. No, no, be no, 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 no. <laughs> People with nationally syndicated radio talk shows about finances and people who are on TV who will tell you whether or not you can afford something or not. Mm-hmm. There are some fanatical people about debt. Okay. That they abhor it and they yep. think it is the worst invention ever. Yep. And and they will basically tell people it's their mission to try to get out of debt as fast as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. And what I say is while I generally agree that, hey, debt in in the face of alternatives is not ideal, but there's a big difference between good debt and bad debt. So you take the hundred grand out mm-hmm. and you put fifty thousand dollars into your into a pool, mm-hmm. meaning a swimming pool, mm-hmm. not <laughs> okay. So now you still have fifty thousand of the cash left. What has happened to your net worth? It's gone down. Why? Because I spent 50 grand on a pool. What? Okay. And now that What's I've... happened what's happened to the home value though by putting the pool in? <laughs> well, does it? I would say increases, but people so, say adding a pool does not increase your home value. Right. So so that so so Great point, and I was only asking. That's why that I question. paused. Okay. Yes, I was asking more for for this discussion purposes. Taking taking a hundred thousand out of equity and going to Disney World, or going on trips, or blowing it on certain things is not good use of debt. It Understood. doesn't mean doesn't mean people don't do it. Right. And. Uh, like I said, not every decision is needs to be a financial decision. There are mm-hmm. certainly times where, look, would I rather 
it's debatable, I, but would I rather see someone pay 3% for a $10,000 vacation or put it on their freaking credit card? Well, if somebody was absolutely hell-bent on doing it, having it into their mortgage is certainly a better outcome, ignoring the fact that maybe they shouldn't be taking that kind of vacation. Got it. Understood. Yeah, I get what you're saying. So in your situation where you've put this pool in, mm -hmm. I will say because of COVID, homes with pools are now more valuable. Yep. Because, uh, But taking that aside, you are correct. Typically pools mm -hmm. – uh, <laughs> Whatever. Typically – Typically, pools actually knock down the value. So that would be a situation in which now you've spent 50 grand to put your pool in. Mm -hmm. Your net worth falls by the 50, but it also falls by some multiplier because the next person doesn't want that pool and isn't worth it, willing to pay you for it. I don't like that you're laughing about my, my hopes and my dreams. I don't like it. So what you were saying before um, – when before this whole sort of exercise on net worth, if someone was had college loans that were running you at six or seven percent, so here here's here's where we're at as a f mid forties, early forties. Thank you. Right. Mm -hmm. What is the hurdle for borrowing more? is obviously ridiculously low, meaning whether it's three or whether it's 2.875, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. there, the argument could be made, and someone else, and we can, we can certainly link to this podcast, I mean not podcast, to this blog post, another blog post, um, where the person said, you know what, I'm of the mindset, I may never be mortgage-free. Mm -hmm. And that this kid, I think he's like 34, he might have just turned 40. I don't know exactly. But his point was I could do far better things with that cash for my family. I think he's got three kids than chasing being mortgage-free at an earlier age. Yep. Because his argument is hopefully if I do other things right, save for retirement, max out, use a Roth, blah, 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 that even by even if I had been mortgage free by age sixty five, it's really not going to be that much of an impact as opposed to a couple hundred more dollars in my pocket now because I'm raising three kids mm -hmm. is far more valuable. Yeah. What I what we're ta what we're really tapping into with this discussion is that I there's no one listening to this who owns a house who hasn't seen that the value of their house has gone up pretty tremendously in the last eighteen months. Right. I would fathom, I would argue there isn't one person listening who hasn't seen it gone up by 10, 20, maybe 30%. Mm -hmm. And when it's the largest asset on the left side of your balance sheet, that means you're seeing some serious growth. And a lot of that is tied up in an illiquid home. Mm -hmm. And so what I think you're starting to see people take a look at or what I would encourage people to look at is like, hey, you know, maybe I could use some of that equity for something good. Not, I would prefer not the Disney vacations. Oh, but, <laughs> it's okay. But I mean, I'm blessed not to have any student loans. Mm -hmm. But if your student loan was at six percent, maybe you consider it. Yep. Now I'll be honest, as an advisor, when we're sitting across the table from somebody. Without asking them, I'm already running through some of the 
ifs, ands, or buts before I even have that conversation. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you a couple of examples. What someone does for a living is super important to some of this advice. Meaning, if you are sitting across the table, as I have, from two teachers, yeah, the chances of those people leaving the school system or leaving where they are, pretty low. Right. I don't know why, but it just doesn't seem like teachers switch jobs all that much, which means they're probably also not going to be packing up and moving out of state very soon. But if you had someone who you've been working with for a bunch of years and they've had five jobs and I'm thinking of a very good friend of mine, he bounced between Rhode Island, then he went up to Boston, then he came back to Rhode Island, then he went up to Boston. That's someone where I'm like, eh, probably doesn't make sense to refinance because very likely a year and a half from now, you've decided to move up the corporate ladder somewhere else yeah. and you're just wasting the money. Mm-hmm. So I do encourage anyone who's listening, of course, if you wanted an independent second opinion on whether or not you should do it, you know, feel free to shoot us an email. What's that email address? It's the novice and the nerd at strategicpoint.com. You know, and we're happy to set up a time to to chat it over with you and uh and Bard and Laura was was busting my chops. Yes, I did build a spreadsheet which helps people sort of quantify uh how much they could be potentially saving by going through this process. And having done it for my own clients and other people and for Laura Bard, many times they are quite astounded. Yep. I will say it was seeing it like that in black and white. It made a difference. So, you know, getting back to why am I thinking about refinancing, you know, as a partner here at Strategic Point, I don't think I'm going anywhere. At least I'm not going anywhere <laughs> under my under volition. Um, my wife works at a local hospital. I don't see that changing anytime soon. We love where we live. The house just isn't. I, I jokingly say, and you've probably seen this show. Have you watched? Have you ever seen Love It or List It? Ah, uh, like one or two episodes. Yeah, I get it. The, what the the, con- the concept is one guy said one not one guy one couple part of the couple says we got to get out of here this house isn't good enough the other person says i love it here and mm-hmm. they they come in and they do a bunch of renovations and then the guy says so you know we gave you the 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 garage and the you know in the in the mud room are you going to stay or are you are you still saying this house just isn't working for the two of you yep we would not be ideal candidates for that show because we would still be saying, no, we're going to stay here. Yeah. Uh, which is helping me figure out, okay. Now, last topic. Yeah. I asked my mortgage broker who two questions. Are you going to keep my mortgage? And I know that's not legally binding, but. I needed to know the answer and his and what he thought before asking the second question, which is, do you allow recasting? So that first question you ask, isn't that kind of out of his control? Yeah, but they kept my first mortgage. Okay. And he, when he kept it the first time, I actually said to him, hey, are you planning on um, – are you guys going to keep this or are you going to sell it? Mm-hmm. And he said the institution that he works for tends to keep their mortgages. They don't sell them. Okay. And I know this guy pretty well, and I know he works somewhere else. And 
he said that other place they wouldn't keep them for more than 30 days most people would make one mortgage payment and then the thing would be gone so yeah he i mean he, he yes i knew when i asked him that question that there was an element that he could say yes and just as likely three years from now they choose not to but i was just curious okay uh do you know what recasting is not really. I've heard it kind of mentioned in the office, but I don't really understand what it is. I am flabbergasted that – well, if if 40 percent of people don't know what their interest rate is on their mortgage. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't be so flabbergasted. I would fathom the guess that 90 – honestly, I would predict, unless you worked in the mortgage industry, I would fathom a guess that 90 percent of people never heard of recasting. I never heard of it until I heard – like a month ago, I heard about it in the office, and that's – the first time ever. So can you explain what it is? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said I've heard of it, but I don't really understand. Okay. Something about putting more money on, right, so, on the mortgage. Yeah, yeah. So let's walk through. Well, let's also, let's also get this out. You are, you are considering refinancing. If it was up to your husband, you would be refinancing and pulling some of the equity out of your house. Is that fair to say? 100%. Yes. Okay. So we're going to keep on me, though, because it's a little bit easier than prying into your personal life. That's okay. Well, I'm taking the money out. I don't have debt that I need to pay off. I, my kids are not going to college, and I'm not going to blow this money on vacation. I'm literally borrowing this in house. order to put an addition on. Mm-hmm. But I have, n- <laughs> I literally have no idea how much it's going to cost. Okay. Now, my wife occasionally listens to this, but I'm guessing we're far enough into this podcast that she probably would have already tuned out. So I'm going to say this. Um, I am somewhat concerned that if I tell somebody what the budget is, lo and behold, they'll come in $2,000 less than that budget. Okay. <laughs> By the way, a common, a common trick at a car dealership, never on God's green earth do you tell a salesman at a car dealership how much you can afford <laughs> a month for a car. I did they- that with my first car. They will always come back and beat it, yep. and then they will say, "Hey, since I beat it, can we? What can I get you in this car today?" Mm-hmm. One guy tried that to me, and I said, "What are the terms of the loan?" And he said, "Well, it's a seventy-two month." And I said, "Wait, wait, wait, wait! Seventy-two mm-hmm. months? Mm-hmm. Okay." Uh, although those are more common now, but at the time, no yeah. one ever borrowed more than five years for a car. Okay, so. Uh, why I asked about recasting. Since I'm going into this home project uh, improvement with no idea what it's going to cost in order for us to do what I wanted to do, I am going into it hoping against probably reality that maybe I pulled out too much cash. Okay. And that the project doesn't end up costing me as much as I've taken out. Wouldn't that be wonderful? It would. Realistic? Probably not. Correct. Let's go. Let's roll with it. Got it. Because after all, I am the nerd. Mm -hmm. So let's go back and say you pulled out a hundred grand. Let's use your example. You you pulled out a hundred grand because you thought you were going to go big. You were going to get a an Olympic sized pool because your kids are swimmers. Mm -hmm. And then you found out you couldn't put an Olympic sized pool in. Never mind how much it was going to cost. And you only spent fifty of the hundred of equity that you pulled out. what are your choices with that other 50? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> right. You could blow Disney. it. You could, There's yeah. my Disney trip. All right. 
what happens if you do the smart thing and you say, I'm going to give this back to the person who owns my mortgage? Ooh. You can do that? So you – what do you mean? You could, do you pay extra on your mortgage? I do. How All much? Right. Um, I like round up to like just little bits. Bucks. Yeah, something whatever. So what's, so what's the difference between $20 and 50 grand? That's true. Nothing. I guess I never thought of it like that, but – what happens to your mortgage? What literally happens to your mortgage with every one of those $20 payments? It goes down. The principal goes down. Right. But what happens to your monthly payment the following month? Nothing. So what's going on behind the scenes? That's you're chip you're that's... chipping away at the pay at the at right. the payoff date. Yeah. $20 at a time. So, yeah, you're chipping away at the outstanding principal $20 at a time. And the only thing that that's doing is chipping away at your payoff date. So instead of it being a 30-year mortgage over the span of, um, you know, you might have it be a 29-year, eight-month mortgage because all those $20 yeah. added up to four payments or whatever. Okay. With With recasting... And you have to know every one of your – every mortgage uh, broker is different who owns your mortgage. So you have to call them. Not First of all, not every mortgage is eligible to recast and then there's cost and fees. But the general idea is this. If you mail them a one-time huge chunk lump sum mm -hmm. of money for a small cost – I know someone who they just did it and it was like $250. They re-amortized the rest of the loan. So what uh, does that mean? It shortens the length of the loan. No. <laughs> oh, no. It brings your payment down. I'm sorry. It brings your payment yes. down monthly over the length of the loan. Correct. So re-amortizing means they take the outstanding principal and they say, oh, they basically – it's almost it, – this is why I don't think they talk about it. It's not refinancing, right? Because you're not getting a new rate. You don't have to reapply. There's no, you don't have to give two years tax returns and all that other kind of stuff. All they're basically saying is, hey, you mailed us this huge chunk of money. And now that the outstanding balance has dropped by such a large amount, we will take the remaining amount after mm -hmm. that one time lump sum and re-amortize it over the life of the loan. That's great. So if you are 15 years into a 30 year, you probably still owe two-thirds of the original principal. And if you mail them a huge fat check, then they would say, okay, we're going to re-amortize what's left over those remaining 15 years. Okay. So why did I ask about that? And I understanding that it may not be you know, entirely available to me in the future, but I've asked about that because – if I do come in under the total cost of what I pull out, I wanted to at least have the flexibility to um, put, put that money back in. Now, you couldn't do that if, it, if your mortgage was sold? You'd, well, you'd have to ask the new okay. firm. Okay. Now, I, to be honest, I've never heard of anyone finding out that they can't, mm -hmm. but I do know it's possible. Okay. And uh, meaning that they're not, you know, every time you read anything about it, it does specifically say. Um, so, yeah, you, you know, never met anyone who did so far in my career. Again, not widely, uh, not something that people are often looking into. But yeah. 
I was just asking him because I was hoping uh, that that was the answer. And um, if I don't end up using the money, um, then I will uh, I'll throw it back against the mortgage and take a little bit of pressure off my uh, monthly payment. Because that's what stinks about pre, you know, when you pay extra on your mortgage, it doesn't change the cash flow. Right. Uh, um, and you know, I just wanted to have that as a flexibility. And a lot of yeah. people are have not heard of uh, or even aware that such a thing exists, um, but it can be a helpful tool uh, for managing your finances at different times in your life. Yeah, for sure. That's a great feature. So, you know, I know we're coming up on uh, just about an hour, mm -hmm. which uh, we're trying to be better about keeping these shorter. I think I, I'm, I'm amazed that I'm literally sitting here talking about refinancing. I know, again. I know. Um, you know, but things have changed in my life and the rates have dropped and... Um, you know, it's just, uh, I have not actually gone through with it yet. So, uh, maybe in a future episode, I'll give people an update on whether or not I went through it. Yep. Um, but you know, in my specific situation with what we're trying to do as a family and what we can afford and where we are, I think it made a lot of sense. And, um, I was also flabbergasted that 74% of people surveyed who have a mortgage hadn't refinanced. Uh, yeah, that's that is, high. That's high. <laughs> And when the number one reason was fear of cost, which I have to assume is fear of coming up with the money in order to do that closing, and there's a solution for that yep. uh, that we've already discussed. And when the number two thing is uh, it takes too much time and too much work, which is translation, I'm just kind of lazy. Mm -hmm. Man, that's bad. That is absolutely horrible. Yeah. Uh, and any, again, any listeners, if you have a friend or family member who's putting it off because they're saying it's too much work, I am more than happy to quantify how much money they could be saving them and their family. <laughs> the spreadsheets by Derek Amy. I, and I'll do everyone. it. You know, it doesn't take that much time, uh, but maybe that's enough to convince them yeah. to reconsider, uh, especially when the third part of the survey was the average person said their mortgage was in excess of four and a half percent. That tells me there's a ton of room for people to save money. Could help people uh, big time. Absolutely. Thanks again for listening. Uh, as always, we love listener questions. Uh, a future episode, we're going to tackle another client question that we got a couple weeks ago. We're going to talk about HSAs. Uh, so if you have a topic or even a comment or a question, please feel free to shoot us an email at thenovice and thenerd uh, at strategicpoint.com. If you're on Twitter, I am on there now. I'm officially uh, Twitter at Derek Amy, D E R E K A M E Y, all one word. Uh, give me a follow and uh, or give me a shout out on there. Uh, strategicpoint.com is our regular website where we have a bunch of different information. Uh, we hope people have found this episode to be popular and helpful. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you guys again in the future. Any uh, closing words, Bart? No, I think you got it all. Good job. All right. <laughs> we're getting better at this. I think we're up to episode. We're, we're going to have this to have is... a celebratory episode when we hit a big milestone. I we're know. Close. I, we're close to 25. I think this might be 24. I think we're past that, no? I don't know. All we're right, close. tune in next time when we figure out what episode we're on. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.
advisory services offered through Strategic Point Investment Advisors, LLC, a federally registered investment advisor. All opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Strategic Point Investment Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Clients may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. The information contained in this podcast is not intended as investment, tax, or legal advice. Strategic Point Investment Advisors assumes no responsibility for any action or inaction resulting from the contents herein. Third-party content does not reflect the view of the firm and is not reviewed for completeness or accuracy. It is provided for ease of reference. Consult your fiduciary, tax, legal, and other advisors before making any decisions regarding your financial plan.